Welcome to the Lancaster Patriot Podcast. My name is Chris Hume. I'm the managing editor at the Lancaster Patriot, a conservative print newspaper serving Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, and beyond. Well, our first local story for today is that Representative Jim Cox, who serves District 129, which is parts of Berks and Lancaster counties, has announced that he is not seeking re-election. So he has been serving as state representative for 15 years, and he's decided that it's time to hang them up. And this reminds us of an issue that a lot of people, in fact, if you look at the polls, I think the majority of voters want term limits for legislators, but it is very hard to get term limits passed by legislators, which is not a surprise since many of these career politicians have made it their career to serve as elected officials and are not interested in getting term limits in place. So as we have elections coming up this May, we have the primaries, we have the general election in November, consider the issue of term limits. And the only way I think you're going to get term limits at all is if you elect non-career politicians, probably first-time politicians, into the legislature and seek to get something like this passed. Our second story is that we have 10 Republicans who have filed paperwork to appear on the ballot for Pennsylvania governor. Those 10 people are Lou Barletta, Doug Mastriano, Jake Corman, Joe Gale, Charlie Garrow, Melissa Hart, William McSwain, Jason Ritchie, David White, and Dr. Zama. I'm not even going to try to say his first name. Now, a poll from Fox News, uh, this is March 2nd through March 6th, they polled 960 Pennsylvania Republican primary voters, and the poll has Congressman Lou Barletta at the top with 19%, but Doug Mastriano is right behind him at 18%, according to this poll. So we have 10 Republican candidates. They all get their petitions completed uh, that will be on the May primary ticket for Republican nominee for governor. Well, third, we also have quite a few candidates for Republican Pat Toomey's Senate seat, which is up for grabs this November. So both parties have put forward several candidates. Five candidates have filed for the Democratic Party's nomination, including Kevin Baalum, Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman, and U.S. Representative Connor Lamb, and some others. Now, for the Republican candidates, there's seven. Kathy Barnett, Jeff Bardos, George Bocetto, Sean Gale, David McCormick, Mehmet Oz, and Carla Sands. So quite a few candidates, both for governor and for the Senate seat. So you will see those people on your potentially on your ballot uh, this May for the primary. Our next story has to do with the Lancaster County Human Trafficking Task Force. Now, this task force was launched in January, and it conducted its first successful operation uh, in its mission to combat human trafficking in Lancaster County, according to a press release from the Lancaster County District Attorney Office. The task force has charged 14 suspects in a prostitution sting involving an online advertisement in a hotel in East Hempfield Township, which targeted individuals who perpetuate the demand for human trafficking and prostitution, commonly known as John. So this was a sting operation. Uh, members of the task force uh, had they had an undercover female detective who made contact with the subjects of the investigation. And the detail spanned approximately eight hours and contact was made with over 100 Johns. These subjects responded to an online advertisement and made arrangements to exchange money ranging from $80 to $200 for sexual activity. So those who are charged face allegations of 
patronizing prostitutes, and criminal conspiracy, both third-degree misdemeanors punishable of up to one year in prison and a $2,500 fine. Now, there is some speculation, or I, I would say controversy, I should say, over sting operations. Uh, you're charging these people with patronizing prostitutes. Um, in this case, though, if this was an undercover agent, a sting operation, there was no prostitute. So there are some concerns about the ethicalness of sting operations. Now, the, a lot of people were charged, as we said, 14 people, people from Mount Joy, Lancaster, Millersville, Coatesville, Williamsburg, Kentucky, Gap. Uh, most of them look like they're from Lancaster County. Uh, District Attorney Heather Adams said, quote, unfortunately, as seen by the number of arrests and inquiries into the advertisement posted by the task force, the demand for this clearly exists right here in Lancaster. This was the first, but certainly won't be the last operation conducted. Prospective buyers should take note and act accordingly by refraining from advancing human trafficking, end quote. And of course, yes, human trafficking is a great evil that should be dealt with. In fact, if you followed biblical law, if you would kidnap a human being, the punishment should be execution, which certainly is not being carried out in our state. We're very lenient on crime in general. We're lenient on murder, lenient on rape, lenient on kidnapping, which is human trafficking, lenient on assault, sexual assault. So this is a case where we have a sting operation and 14 individuals who are going to be potentially put in prison for a year or fined $2,500 for a crime they really didn't commit, but yet when we have people that we have caught com committing acts of whether it's rape or kidnapping, human trafficking, they are not punished the way they should be, and justice is not being done. Well, our fifth story comes from an article by the Washington Post, and this article is written by Hannah Nattinson, and it's focused in Lancaster County. And the headline says, Schools Nationwide Are Quietly Removing Books from Their Libraries. And the article focuses on Samantha Hull, who oversees 22 districts as co-chair of a group representing school librarians in Lancaster and Lebanon counties. So her concern is that books are being removed from school libraries without proper procedures being followed. The article says, School book bans are soaring. And it says, although the vast majority of challenges go unreported, the American Library Association's Office for Intellectual Freedom counted 330 incidents of book censorship in just three months from September to November 2021, marking the highest rate since the association began tracking the issue in 1990. It goes on, the article says, the question texts have mostly been books about LGBTQ people and race and racism, and that's according to the National Coalition Against Censorship. Now, the subtitle of this article says, Meet the Librarians Fighting Bans and Scrambling to Preserve Children's Freedom to Read. Now, it's interesting how that subtitle is phrased, that the focus is not on the parental right to be involved in what their children will read. The focus is not on what's healthy for children, what's safe for children, what children should be reading. The focus is on that children should have the freedom to read whatever they want, including books that describe sexual encounters between boys, including books that are memoirs about being non-binary. So this, even this article's heading betrays the position that whatever we do, we should give children the freedom to do whatever they want. Now, if you're a good parent, and unfortunately not all parents are good parents, but if you're a good parent, you know that your job with your children is not to give them the freedom to do whatever they want. 
Your job is not to give your children the freedom to read whatever they want, to watch whatever they want. Your job is not to give them the freedom to act however they want. Your job is not to give them the freedom to express themselves however they want. As a parent, you are required, and it's your responsibility, to teach your children how to conduct themselves, how to express themselves in ways that are righteous and ethical. And so this article, this, this article from the Washington Post, it's presenting this as this is an assault on the liberty of children that if we would ban books about sexual perversion from school libraries, we are now infringing on the freedom of children to read. This is the same sort of language that is used by those who are trying to promote the teaching of sexual perversion in government school systems by saying if we don't teach these children all this, these sexually perverse ideologies that we've come to embrace as a wicked culture, then we're, we're preventing them from having the freedom to learn about these things and express themselves. And again, if you're a good parent, you know that your job is not to let your children express themselves however they want. Your job is to help them and teach them so that they would learn how to express themselves properly. So this, this article from the Washington Post, in it it says that Samantha Hole, who is kind of the focus of at least the first part of the article. She's, she said she's been having trouble sleeping, consumed by thoughts about what she views as a war on books. She worries most about the consequences for the next generation of Americans. If book banning continues, she warned, quote, there will be absolutely no progress for our society. Well, I'm not sure I share her outlook on this. I think that, number one, if you agree with the government schools, which I certainly don't, but if you want to say, hey, the government schools are a legitimate option to educate our children, if you say that, you still should have a category in your mind that the school library should be different than the library that's, you know, down in downtown that anybody can go to. The school library is a library that children should be able to access without being exposed to everything in the world. I don't know why these people think that children, young children, need to be exposed to everything at a young age. Um, that's not a good idea. That's not something that's going to lead to healthy adults, children who are exposed to perversity and evil um, just in their school setting, whether it's being taught in kindergarten, first, second grade, whether it's reading these books that are promoting sexual perversion or denying the biblical truth of marriage, denying the categories of man and woman. The fact that people would lose sleep over these books being removed from school libraries is uh, kind of concerning more than anything else. But again, this just shows us again that what I have said many times that the battle for the government school is a losing battle. Parents complaining about, oh, you know, why are, why are these books in there? Well, you might have other parents who say, I want these books. So you're always going to have this battle. It's never going to end between liberals and conservatives as long as conservatives continue to support and endorse the government school system. And I have yet to find a candidate here, and I'm looking, that would say, you know, we need to abolish the government school system. So, yes, the book banning is, is, is soaring, according to this article, and I think it makes sense from a school board perspective. They have seen the, out, the outrage of many parents against these books, and they're saying, you know what, we would rather just remove these books ourselves before parents come to us and we have to deal with this, you know, circus and board meeting and this big brouhaha about these books. But I don't think that should be that controversial that a school board would decide to remove books. I mean, if you grant the school the authority to educate your children, if you send your kids to the government school, if you allow this, if you say, hey, school board, superintendent, principal, your job is to teach my kids. I don't want to do it. It's your job 
it should be within their purview to decide what sort of curriculum they use. And so I don't think that there's any government school that says, hey, let's have all sorts of books in the school library. Let's just have every single book that we could possibly think of, because even the most liberal schools would probably say, well, there are some books maybe we shouldn't have in our library that would still be in an adult library. So to me, the idea that a school board would preemptively remove some books, books that kids shouldn't be reading, is not that much of a surprise to me. In fact, it makes perfect sense when you realize that most parents are very much concerned about the books that their children are exposed to in the school, what their children are taught, and these school boards are responding to that and saying, well, instead of dealing with that down the road, why don't we just remove these books that most parents hate? So that's our, those are our five stories for Lancaster County. We do have our hate crime section now, which is also Lancaster County. And again, I would remind you that our hate crime section focuses on crimes that are motivated by hate and any true crime, again, a crime that should be punished because we do have crimes, uh, laws on the books that punish behavior and categorize them as crimes, which should not be crimes. For example, in Pennsylvania, I just learned this recently, though, selling raw milk is legal. Selling raw butter is not. Now, explain that to me if you can. But these are hate crimes because they're motivated by hate. And so let's get to our hate crime section now. And we've gotten away from the localized idea of law and punishment and government. If, if, my, if my wife and I were on that same block and we were beaten, God forbid, the punishment that would be meted out to those individuals would then be less than if those individuals had attacked a gay couple. So why should I, in that sense, be deserving of less protection under the law? All right, our hate crime for today comes from Mannheim. Now, there was a 57-year-old woman who was arrested after allegedly, again, this is all allegedly until there is a trial and conviction, but allegedly she stabbed her husband multiple times while he was napping on the couch. I mean, that's just the worst place, the last place probably you expect to be stabbed, right, when you're taking a nap on your own couch. And the last person, I guess, it probably shouldn't have been the last person this guy suspected because I don't know how you... Spend, uh, you know, however, how many years you're married and uh, get that far in your marriage to have your wife stab you in the face while you're napping on the couch. But according to a press release from the Mannheim Borough Police Department, on March 20th, officers responded to 216 North Charlotte Street in response to a domestic-related assault that occurred in the afternoon around 2.30 p.m. So when the police arrived they found a man who had been stabbed several times by his wife, Marcia Pekchik. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but she reportedly used not one knife, but two different knives during the incident. And before the alleged assault, police say that she report, reported wanting to kill her husband. And it's alleged that she, she said she was going to kill him by cutting his head like a pig. Now, upon further investigation, authorities learned that she attacked her husband, as I mentioned, while he was sleeping on the couch. And uh, as he slept, she put a blanket, she pulled the blanket off him and stabbed him in the eyelid. So she was not content with, um, maybe his face was covered by the blanket, I'm not sure. But she continued to stab him at least five times in the face and head. Now, thankfully, again, uh, he survived. So this is another case where you know, credit to the victim and the human tendency to want to survive. And thankfully, his wife was not very good at what she was doing because 
she stabbed him five times in the face, and he lived. So I'm thankful for that. Now, she was arrested and charged with attempted homicide and two counts of aggravated assault. She is reportedly booked in the Lancaster County Prison, and bail was set for $500,000. Now, I don't think her husband will be paying that unless they have the most uh, absurd love-hate relationship in the world. But, yeah, this is definitely a hate crime because this woman hates her husband. I mean, that's pretty clear. If you take a blanket off someone who's sleeping, I mean, first of all, that's not very loving because he probably had it on because he was cold. But secondly, and obviously much more importantly, she stabbed him in the face five times trying to kill him. That is a crime motivated by hate. So that is our hate crime for today. Um, We will keep an eye on this and see what the sentencing is. Again, attempted homicide, stabbing someone five times in the face would merit a very serious punishment in my estimation. But let's see what our officials in the county decide on this one. All right, let's now move to our one story outside of Lancaster County. And this comes from Judge Katanji Brown Jackson's confirmation hearing. She is President Biden's nominee for the Supreme Court, and she is being questioned by both sides, Republicans, Democrats, independents, if there are any, and she's being questioned about her qualifications, her view, her worldview, her judicial philosophy. And I want to play this clip from Senator Blackburn questioning Judge Katanji Brown Jackson about the definition of a woman. So listen to this. Can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. You can't? Not in this context. I'm not a biologist. The meaning of the word woman is so unclear and controversial that you can't give me a definition? Senator, in my work as a judge, what I do is I address disputes. If there's a dispute about a definition, people make arguments, and I look at the law, and I decide. So I'm not... The fact that you can't give me a straight answer about something as fundamental as what a woman is underscores the dangers of the kind of progressive education that we are hearing about. Well, that is Judge Katanji Brown Jackson, and she cannot answer the simple question of what is a woman. And this, my friends, is someone who will quite likely be the ninth Supreme Court justice uh, in America. And this is a sad, sad state of affairs. And she knows what a woman is, obviously, or else she's the dumbest person that has ever served in any sort of official capacity, at least, if she doesn't know what a woman is. But she knows what a woman is and because I believe she was being heralded and congratulated for being the first black woman to potentially serve on the Supreme Court. So certainly she knows what it is, but this just demonstrates the, the intentional suppression of the truth, which is a judgment of God on our society, that we have people elected officials on the highest level, potentially on the highest court, down to kindergarten teachers who will suppress the truth that God has created humans, male and female. And this is Joe Biden's nominee for the U.S. Supreme Court. Well, that's it for today for the Lancaster Patriot podcast. Again, my name is Chris Hume, and the Lancaster Patriot is a local newspaper focused first and foremost on Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, 
We print our newspaper once a week, deliver it right to your door. If you are not a subscriber, check us out at thelancasterpatriot.com. Give us a call at 717-370-7508. Subscribe. We are growing. Uh, A lot of people still don't know about us. We are an alternative to mainstream media, an alternative to liberal media. We want to present the facts to you. We want to present what's happening, and we want to provide some commentary. And check out our paper. We have faith section, perspective section. It's probably different than most newspapers you've read. So check us out at thelancasterpatriot.com. Until next time, Godspeed. Godspeed.